Appreciate the good song this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 1, if you would, today. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse number 17. I want to go back and read to you verse number 16. It ties into verse 17, 18, because I know it's been a while since we've been in this particular book. Uh, but uh, Paul wrote this in verse 16. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Yes. So verse 16, he shares with us what salvation is. It's the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it uh, hasn't changed, by the way. There's not more than one way. There's one way, and that's Jesus. But notice in verse 17, he says, For therein is the righteousness of God. And he's, he's letting us know two things in, in this scripture. One, that God requires righteousness. So he says, for uh, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God. Now, uh, a lot of folks say today, they'll say, well, you won't find the wrath of God in the New Testament. The wrath is the Old Testament God. The New Testament God is a God of grace and mercy, and that's all he is. Well, the Bible said right here, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So in verses uh, 1 through 16, Paul's laying the foundation uh, for salvation. And uh, then in verse 16, he tells us what salvation is or how we know salvation. It's the good news of uh, Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection, which is the gospel. And he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So it tells me that there's no way that you and I can be saved outside the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it lays in verse 16, going into verse 17, there's a division. In other words, he's saying here... God is showing us his, his mercy and grace in providing salvation. But if you reject salvation, then you have to understand that God is righteous and that you will face the wrath of God. And so in this scripture, we see the summary in verse 17, 18. We see the very summary of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the gospel is the good news. Well, it's good news if it's good news to you, right? I mean, I mean, uh, listen, if you look in the newspaper, I guess nobody looks at the newspaper much anymore, right? But if you look and, and uh, you have a, let's say, for instance, you have a stock that uh, you have invested in and that stock goes down and you lose a lot of money, well, that's not good news. Well, if you sold the stock before it went down and you earned a lot of money, that's good news, Right? So the good news of the gospel is the fact that, that those that will receive it and accept it have eternal life. Well, it's still good news to the world, but as an individual, if you reject it, the very thing that you rejected is what's going to keep you out of heaven. And so it is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So what does the gospel reveal about the Lord? Well, I know what it provides to man. It provides eternal life. But when you think of the gospel... What does it reveal about the Lord? Well, we have all these ideas of who Jesus is and who God is and, and uh, his character and what he's all about. Well, again, I'll say this. Why not let the Bible speak for itself? Why not let God's word speak for itself of who God is? 
Well, verse 17, he said, therein is the righteousness of God. Well, right off the bat, that doesn't sound like someone who is going to let sin go. You, you hear me this morning? All this idea about God doesn't care what you do and doesn't have to care how you live and uh, it's all good. Well, that's not what the Bible says. He's righteous. Therein, he said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, what's that mean? Well, number one, these two scriptures reveals God's righteousness. Well, in the fact that it reveals God's righteousness, it, give us, it gives us the revelation of that righteousness. Now, what does revelation mean? It means that something is revealed to us. It, we, we think automatically, we go to the back of your Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, that does not say revelations, plural, right? It's one revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So revelation is something that God reveals to us, right? And we say, well, I had a revelation about that. What we're saying is that God reveals it. And people say, well, he reveals, he revealed this to me. He's not revealed to any other man. That's not what your Bible said. There is no private interpretation. So what God is making it available to all of us, and he says this, the revelation of that righteousness is this. The word righteousness, Brother Shane, means conformity to the right. Conformity to what's right. Well, here's the problem with the world we live in. You go back to the Old Testament. The Bible was talking about, uh, was it the time of the judges that man was doing what was right in their own eyes? In other words, they, they got to determine what they thought was right. That's a humanistic mindset when we determine what's right for us. Well, I have my own truth, right? I'm, you're, I've got my truth and I've got what's right for me. And there has to be a standard of what's right. Well, you don't get to set that standard, neither do I. Now, now, somewhere down the line, someone determined that it was the right thing to do to post a speed limit sign on Highway 150. Well, nobody asked you what you thought, did they? Matter of fact, if you go down Frybridge Road, somebody thought it was a good idea to put a three-way stop right in the middle of the road. Well, they didn't ask me. I'd have told them I thought that was not the best idea. But they decided to do it. Brother Ian, I've got one or two options when I come to that stop sign. I can obey what they told me, which is to stop. Or I can say, I think it's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I'm just going to do my own thing. Right. Well, that may sound good right up until the time a police officer comes up and says, well, did you see that stop sign? I said, I sure did. However, I think putting a stop sign there is not the best idea, so I just thought I'd go on. There's probably a good chance that that police officer is going to say, well, I don't really care what you think about it. The law says you have to stop. And so therefore, here's your piece of paper saying that you violated the very law that we have. Can we agree with that? Well, if man can set laws and we're to, to obey those, why can God not set eternal laws? And he doesn't need your opinion or mine on whether or not they're right or wrong. Conformity to the right, righteousness is who God is. So here's what I'm saying. Whether you and I like it or not, what God says is always the right thing. Amen. What's not right for me, then you're in the wrong. Amen. Right? So, so you say, well, I feel like God is uh, telling me that it's okay for me to do this. Well, here's what I'd say. Do you have some Bible to back up what you think? 
Well, no, but I feel like, and I think that's a still small voice. Well, may I say this, a still small voice never contradicts the written word of God. Say, so how can you say that so emphatically because the, the still small voice who is the Holy Spirit of God is the one who pinned down the written word of God. So why would he contradict himself in the written word of God and then with the still small voice wouldn't happen? So you're going to have to come up with another philosophy as to why what you're doing is right when it contradicts the word of God. So righteousness means conformity to the right. Righteousness is what God is. It's who he is. Right? And because it's who he is, it's what he does. Again, let's go back to God is good. Well, God does good. Why? Because God is good. God does righteousness because he is righteous. And may I say this, because he is righteous and he does righteous, he gives righteousness. You and I outside the Lord Jesus Christ are not righteous enough to get to heaven. And that's why he gave us Jesus Christ so that we could be righteous enough to get to heaven. Boy, that's good stuff when you think about it for just a minute. God's saying you have to be perfect to get to heaven. Not real good, kind of good, pretty good, 99% good. You have to be perfectly and wholly righteous to get to heaven. And he knows that you and I can't do it in our flesh. And so what he did, because he is righteous, he says I'm providing righteousness in the person of Jesus Christ. And all you've got to do is accept what he did on the cross of Calvary. So the righteousness of God is in himself and he provides it in the person of Jesus Christ. Now you listen, when you break it down to that, Brother Eddie, there's, you cannot, you and I cannot look at ourselves and say, I think I'm good enough to get to heaven. You can't do it. Because if you've had one sinful thought, if you've told one lie, if, you, if you've had all against your brother, if you've not forgiven one person that you should have forgiven, am I making sense? You, you don't meet up to the criteria God says you have to meet to get to heaven. But I think I'm a good person. Well, it doesn't matter. See, you're not the, you're not the judge of what's good and what's not good. So God is he's, he's pretty much laying out in Romans chapter 1. He said, look, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I, he knows everything, Brother Robert. He, 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 he's laying out already. I'm just going to go ahead and put away all your excuses so that when you die in your sins and go to hell because you won't accept my free gift of salvation, I can point back and say I'm laying out what, what it takes to get to heaven and he's saying you have to be righteous. So it must be accepted by faith or trust by which God reinstates man's righteousness. There was a time where man was right in the sight of God. Remember back at the Garden of Eden before he sinned and disobeyed God. Well, let's go there for a moment, right? So you say, well, I don't think I'm that bad uh, because of my sin, or we won't even call it sin now, Brother Matt, we'll call it my mistakes, right? Well, my mistakes, no, it's sin. My misgivings, no, it's sin, right? Well, I, my, my uh, indiscretions, it's called adultery, right? I mean, let's just call it what it is. My, 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 my what do we call it? Well, I told a story. No, you lied. I mean, it, I, I, may have, I may have taken some things that didn't belong to me. Right, you're a thief. See, we sugarcoat it to the point. It's like, well, I don't want to sound too bad. Well, it doesn't matter if you want to sound bad. In the sight of God, either you're you're 100% clean or you're 100% uh, vile. 
Right? So God's just saying, listen, none of you measure up. Not one of you. Preacher, you're hurting my self-confidence today. Good. Because you're not going to get to heaven with your self-confidence. You're not going to get to heaven with your But I do some good things. But why do you do them? Right? I mean, in me and my flesh there dwells no good things. So anything that I really do good has to be a fruit of the Spirit. And if it's not, it's fleshly. And the very thing that I say I'm a good person and do good, it's not good because I've corrupted it with my motivation of it. I mean, there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing you can say about pride that is good. Well, to take pride in our work, well, why? Why do you take pride in your work? Because I did it. Bingo. But who gave you the ability to do it? God. Who gave you the intellect to do it? Who, who? See, everything we do, we're to give our best for the Lord. But it's not so we can have pride in it. It's the, it. You know what it is? It's basically, brother. Uh, it's, it's just our reasonable service. I mean, the very if I do everything I can, right, for the Lord, and I, I mean, get up in the morning, read my Bible, pray, hand out a thousand tracts, go to church, you know, sing in the choir, whatever. God's saying, yeah, that's good, but that's reasonable service. That's what you should do, right? No, but it's sacrifice, preacher. Don't you understand about what I sacrifice? I sure do, not much. I mean, you're not going to die and go to hell if you're saved. Now, you measure your sacrifice up with his, right? The revelation of the righteousness of God, I, I don't even measure up. I'm not, by the way, I'm not even in the stadium. Amen. So God's just saying, listen, outside of the righteousness of God, there, there's you don't have a chance, right? So he's... He's going ahead and laying all that out and telling us what salvation is and the power of the gospel uh, is, is salvation. Then he tells us about the righteousness or the revelation of the righteousness of God. And he says this, uh, that uh, the righteousness that condemns when rejected saves when accepted. So he's saying here's the line, it's righteousness. You're either on the accepting side of what Jesus did or you're on the rejecting side. So there it is. That, that's, that's, the, that's the door to heaven or the door to hell, Jesus. You're either on one side or the other. And so the gospel shows how the righteousness of God can be bestowed on sinful man. Death, burial, and the resurrection. That's how, that's how it can be bestowed. So the revelation of that righteousness, but then the revolution of that righteousness. Well... Notice uh, the Bible said in verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Well, that is a quote from the Old Testament, Habakkuk 2.4. The whole purpose of life, listen to me, the expectation of this righteous God is that you and I live by faith. That's why he saved you. He didn't save you to, he didn't save you to fill up a church pew once in a while. He didn't save you to make some money. He saved you to live by faith. Why? Because it reveals the righteousness of God. Listen, there's no greater ornament uh, of the grace of God than folks that used to be. Remember what Paul said? He laid out this whole list of things and he looked at them and said, And such were some of you. He didn't say some are some of you. He said such were some of you, which means that's in the past. So the righteousness of God 
reveals who he is in his righteousness, but also reveals his mercy and grace because the revolution of that means that the whole purpose of my life is not to compartmentalize God to Sunday morning at one hour a week, amen. It is every day of my life I live my life in faith to please him. And so the, the just in Christ, uh, we become just. What's that mean? One preacher said it this way, it's just as just as Jesus is just. One said it this way, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It, mean, it, is, a, it is a legal term that means in the sight of the judge, I am just. In other words, I, I, the, the justice has been served. And, and so today you and I sit here, if you're saved by the grace of God... You, you got saved, God saved you, and you, you, oh, Lord, I'm saved. Hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. Now, Lord, bless me with all this stuff. And he's saying, no, I want you to live by faith. You say you're just, you say you're saved, you say you're righteous. Prove it by living by faith. Amen. Man, we live in this, we live in this little cuddly world where it's, I was telling our Sunday school class, I said, you know, people say, well, church is a, it's a hospital for sick people. Here's the problem. We've shut the door to the people that need to hear the gospel because the doctors and nurses in the hospital, all we do is take care of each other. Oh, it'll be all right. Just keep on going for Jesus. Oh, you don't feel good? It's okay. You've had a hard day. Come on, right? Let's go get some ice cream. Meanwhile, people are dying going to hell. We've got the doors of the churches closed because we've got to encourage each other all the time. Right? I mean, if you went to the hospital and they said, listen, we're closed. Why are you closed? Well, the doctors and nurses, none of us, we're all discouraged. And we're in here having a party trying to encourage each other to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know what i do? Man, I'd call the medical board and say, y'all got to do something here. There's people standing out in the parking lot that's dying. They got cancer and they got all this stuff. And they're in there having a, a party because they're all discouraged. Amen. Man, we got a job to do. And when you realize what God saved you from, he didn't save you just to be, oh, look at me, it's all bad. He saved you to live by faith. Right? Not peace despite, he didn't say that it was peace outside the storm, peace in tribulation. I got to go, man. Right? Redeeming the time. How are we going to redeem the time if we don't realize that we're, we're, we're the just shall live by faith? Well, preacher, you don't understand how bad I've got it. Well, where's your faith? Right? How, am, I, am, I in a, am I in the wrong book now? I mean, I just read it. Where's our faith? I don't have very much faith. Well, that ain't something to brag about. That's something to pray about and trust God. Listen, we're so... We're so but, Jimmy, we, we brag so much on our infirmities that we forget that we serve a God of victory. Amen. We're more worried about all the stuff that's wrong and look at me and, oh, you just don't understand. Listen, when are we going to start exalting God by living by faith? Very few times do I get a text from somebody or a call and say, listen, preacher, I just want to tell you how good God is and what he's done in my life. Most of the time, Brother Eddie, it's, I need you to pray for me because i got all this bad stuff going on in my life. Well, we all do. Right? Well, Jimmy, your life's perfect, isn't it? Amen. Brother Johnny, you never have any problems, do you? Brother Henry, just 
Sunshine and rainbows every day, isn't it, brother? We all have it. But nowhere does God say if you got tr- uh, problems and troubles in life, don't live by faith. He tells us in spite of that, we have to live by faith if we're just. So our life from God, notice what he said in verse 17, the just shall what? Live. To be saved is to be alive. Amen? It's not just one day when you get to heaven. The more, the, the, listen, we talk about Nicodemus. Remember what Jesus said? You must be what? Born again. What does the word born indicate? Somebody's alive. Right? You must be born again. Well, when I got born, March 22nd, 1971, right? That's hard to say, isn't it? Just say that's like if you were born in the in the 1900s. That's like look, somebody saying they were born in 1871. You're going, man, they're old. Well, guess what? We're born in the 1900s now. Now we're in the 2000s. Some of y'all are ancient. Some of you just got out of the Civil War or something, probably, right? I mean, but we look at that and we're going. The just shall live by faith. Well, when you got born, you started living. I mean, everybody here, as far as I know, nobody was hatched. Nobody's hatched out of an egg. You, you were born. Well, the, when you were born, and we, and we celebrate the birthday, but you don't... You don't, you don't not do anything for 364 days a year, right? I mean, you get up in the morning, go to work, do your thing. That one day, for whatever reason, it's like the world's supposed to stop on everybody's birthday. Well, I shouldn't have to go to school and shouldn't have to go to work. And, you know, we ought to have 47 parties. And, and you know, they, they ought to announce my name on TV or something. Well, if all you did was celebrate your birthday one time and say, well, that's all there is to life, being born. Well, that's a sad life. I mean, you ought to get up tomorrow morning and go, man, I'm glad to have life. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. But most people are going, well, I, you know, I got saved. Well, good. They make more of the day they quote, unquote, got saved than, than the day they're living. And they say, well, the only thing that really matters is the day you got saved. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's like saying that you're 55 years old and the only thing that matters was, was the day you got born. Uh, you know, the only thing that really matters, Brother Shane, is March 22nd, 1971. Well, there's been a lot of good stuff that's happened in 53 years of life. Right? I mean, I had a good childhood. I played played ball in college. I got married to my sweetheart. I got born again. I got four kids that were born. God called me to preach, pastor a great church. That's like saying, if the only thing that matters is you getting saved, well, the, the only thing that matters is the day I got born. Other than that, it doesn't matter. I'm just waiting on death. Well, if that's your life, you got a sad life. Every day God's saying, I want you to get up and I want you to live. And I want you to live by faith. Live, live, live. 
That's how you prove the righteousness of God. You live your life in faith in the righteousness of God and prove to the world there's something better than religion. There's something better than the world. There's something better than sin that when you got saved, God did something in your life that put his righteousness in you and now you're living for him. We live by faith in the gospel. It, it encompasses every area of life. Your job? Absolutely. School? Young people? Absolutely. Well, you don't know what it's like to be a teenager preacher. These kids, I understand. I don't know if you realize or not, but it wasn't easy when we were in school. Now, I know they got more, you know, more uh, temptation and all this stuff, but... but what you're saying is that God is not as big and powerful today as he was when I was a kid. Or when some of you older. No, he's the same. So don't let the kids off the hook. Well, you just don't understand. that They say they're saved by the grace of God. The same spirit that lives in you and me lives in them. So they can live victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. It encompasses every other. So it, it reveals God's righteousness. Number two, it reveals God's wrath. Now, this is not, this not what we want to talk about. The Bible said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? What's that next word? All. All ungodliness. Right? Not some of it. Not, not what man thinks is okay. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So what's that mean? Well, God's wrath is revealed for three reasons. First of all, human ungodliness. Right? It's what it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Well, what is that? Ungodliness is inexcusable. It's in, what is godliness? To live like God. Right? I mean, live in the truths of God's word. It's, it's inexcusable. You say you're saved. You say you got the Spirit of God living in you. You've got the perfect, completed Word of God. God has given you the church to help you in your walk with God. There's no excuse for someone who says they're saved not to live godly. Amen. No, oh, preacher, you don't understand how my... Well, no, no, no. What you're doing is making excuses saying that you or the devil or your flesh is greater than God. So God is revealed in everything. You go outside. Listen, if you look, you go outside at night. I, I know it's hard here. But you look up into heaven, you see stars. Where? How can you not see God in that? Right? I mean, hopefully, for too long, stuff's going to start blooming. Right? I'm hoping. Every time... There's nothing to me when, when stuff starts blooming, flowers start popping out, right? Dogwoods start blooming. You start seeing that. There, it's, it's about life. Right? How can you not see God in that? I mean, when you think about how your body heals itself. I mean, God designed your body to heal itself. I use this illustration before you cut your hand and all them little all them little white blood cells and all that stuff comes to your skin and starts clotting. And if it didn't, you'd bleed to death. A little paper cut, you'd bleed to death. God designed that. Right? 
I mean, think about the fact that you breathe in air in your lungs and it goes into your blood, takes it oxygen to your body, and then that same blood takes the carbon dioxide in the same blood and takes it out and you breathe it out. Well, man didn't design that. You didn't just evolve into that. You didn't have a tail one day and God said, well, I, you know, uh, they're walking and I think the tail's going to drop off. God designed you this way. Amen. There's nothing that you see that God's created that does not reveal who he is. It's the fact that man corrupts everything. The garden was perfect till man got there and messed it up. Right? The church would be perfect if we wouldn't mess it up. Hey, the, 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 the word of God is perfect until man starts putting his little finger in there and starting changing everything. Right? Marriage was perfect right up until we decide there's a better way. The home God instituted was the right way. Husband, wife, kids. But we're saying, no, that's not good enough. We've got to have some other way of doing it. Everything man touches, we mess up. And so here it is. It's un, we're human ungodliness, the very nature of who we are in our flesh is anti-God. This world is anti-God. And so God is revealed in everything and His holiness is revealed in everything. He said if we don't worship Him, the rocks will cry out. Right? This whole creation is groaning. Well, it's human ungodliness and human unrighteousness. Well, what's the difference? Well, ungodliness is also sin against man. It's not just that we sin against God, it's that we sin against each other. God is appalled at our treatment of our neighbor as he is about our treatment of God. God, Listen, let me tell you what's going to be the demise of this whole thing. The way we treat each other. I'm not getting fluffy here. We're supposed to be a godly nation. I'd say we're post that. You know who one of the biggest consumers of child trafficking is? The good old U.S. of A. You're talking about pornography. You're talking about, you're talking about uh, prostitution. You're talking about the way we treat children as commodities and the way we treat human beings as commodities. You think God's okay with that? Very kids that God created in His image, we're going to treat them that way? My own? I mean, we're created in the image of God and we treat each other the way we treat each other. Think God's cool with that? He, yeah, go ahead, you know. He commands us to forgive each other. I'm talking about folks in the house of God say they're saved and some of the meanest people you ever meet in your life. Why? Because they're not revealing the godliness of God. I'm going to say this again. There is absolutely no excuse except for pride that you and I should treat each other other than the way God would treat us. I get it. We're flesh and pride and we mess up. But it's amazing to me how, how people, Brother Johnny, have all against each other for years and years and years and say they're saved and love it. Well, well, they treated me bad and they hurt my feelings. That's pride. Right. 
That's pride. Right? And churches split over it. Oh, well, you don't know how they got treated. You don't either. You heard from this one to this one. This Amen. You don't know, right? It's pride. And God's, God's revealing his righteousness in everything. And the human ungodliness and human unrighteousness is that, that you and I are sinners who need God, that we're not as righteous as we think we are. And if we'll see ourselves as sinners that need God, guess what? I have compassion and forbearance and understanding toward my fellow man because we're in the same boat. So God's putting himself here and putting mankind here and saying the only way you're going to get to where I'm at is to accept what I've done for you. So God's wrath is against human ungodliness and human unrighteousness. I wonder if God looks at us. I wonder if he looks at us and understands all the sin in us and all the sin he's forgiven us and then sees the way we are toward each other and is grieved because what he's forgiven us for is a thousand times greater than what we hold against each other. I just, the way we treat Mankind and so God's revealing his wrath and human ungodliness and human unrighteousness, but then also in human unbelief. The Bible said in verse 18, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Let me say this: there is no reason. Where we live at, in this part of the country, Brother Barry, there's no reason anybody should die and go to hell and have not heard the gospel. That's right. Now, what they do with the gospel is a different, but there's no reason they should not. We Listen, we got churches on churches upon churches on top of each other, and they're all doing this. They're just, they're playing with the same sheep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just... Swapping sheep. When there's a lost world dying going to hell, it's like, well, we don't care about them. We just want an instant church. We got we want a piano player and a choir and we gotta have Sunday school. We we want the organization of the church so we can brag about it. We're out there, there's a world that doesn't believe. And I believe part of it, Brother Dennis, because they look at us and they're going, that ain't no different than what I got. That ain't no different than what I got now, right? Oh, we're going to change it all, man. We're going to change the music, change everything just so people feel more comfortable. Why do they want to? I mean, man, if I'm going to go listen to a country concert... I'm going to go to where I can go to listen to a country concert and act like I want to. That's right. Right? Yes, sir. 
but there's still some semblance of how you're supposed to act in church, I guess. I, but I mean, if I'm going to do what the world's telling me to do, why do I need to go to the church to do it? Right? So we're trying to help people's unbelief by portraying God as the God of the world instead of we living our lives in a righteous state to say God is above us and the only way to get to where he's at is Jesus Christ and when you accept Jesus Christ he changes your life and the just shall live by faith and so therefore in order for me to live by faith I have to rely 100% on God and when I rely 100% on God guess what I do I start taking on his character which means that my righteousness is, is the righteousness of God but it's given to me through Jesus Christ and so we're trying to do everything we can to drag the, the holiness and righteousness of God down to man make him more like us by the way he doesn't get us He gets us. Well, he knows our character. But to get to heaven, you've got to have him. You've got to have his righteousness. So if your idea of he gets us is he understands our failures and our sin, you're right. But he doesn't condone it. What about the woman at the well? I'm glad you brought that one up. I think he told her, go and sin no more. What he said. So come as you are, but when you meet Jesus, you change. He changes you from the inside. All of a sudden, you're born again. You say, I'm saved, born again, going to heaven. Well, that means you've got the righteousness of God inside of you, and therefore the just shall live by faith. So if we're saved, he's saying, listen, there, there's no way. There's no way he is the standard, he is the door, he is righteousness and to get to heaven you have to have the righteousness of God and the only way you have that is through the finished work of Jesus Christ and so if you're here this morning you say my good outweighs my bad, let me say this, never will. Takes his righteousness. God sets the standard. It's his heaven, his way, he said you have to be perfect. Remember this, Brother Foy, Jesus said, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Right. What was he saying? Well, in their eyes, the scribes and Pharisees were perfect. Not in, not in God's eyes, but in the world, they were religious. And they, remember this, Jesus told them this. They were talking about tithing. They tithed off everything. Man, they, they'd even take their spices and give 10%. Well, do you do that? Well, no. They fasted. You fast? Not, not on purpose. Right? How's your prayer life? See? Jesus said, you got your, your righteous, righteousness has to be above that. Well, how do you get that? Jesus. Jesus, the only way. He's the only way. Summary of the gospel goes back to one thing. Jesus. He's all that matters. Then when you have him, see you can't live by faith till you have him. And when you have him, every aspect of your life 
from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, everything you do, your job, your work, your school, your, your church, your, your hobbies, your whatever, is supposed to be about living for him. Why? Because there's a whole world out there that needs to know him. That's why he left us here, to live by faith, to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I'll leave you with. How's, how's your living looking right now? I ask you if you've been saved. If you haven't been saved, that's what you need to take care of this morning. But if you're saved by the grace of God, how's your living? Are you living that just shall live by faith? How's your living? Well, one day when I get to heaven, well, you don't know when that's going to be. I believe the Lord's going to come back. They've been saying that since the uh, day of Pentecost. They've been looking for Jesus to come back since the day of Pentecost. That's 2,000 years. Well, I think biblically uh, there's nothing uh, to prohibit him from coming back. You're right. Ain't nothing prohibiting him for 2,000 years. So you don't know if he'll be back. You say, well, look how bad things are. Well, I agree with that. What about the dark ages? Last I checked, they ain't sawing nobody in half. They're not burning them at the stakes, and unless you renounce Christ, we're going to burn you at stake. Not happening right now, is it? Not here anyway. So when you look at you look at how bad things are, and you say, well, look at all this wickedness. There have been some pretty wicked times. Days of Noah. Remember, remember that? Well, what about days of Lot? You look at what's going on. All this transgender and men and men and women. We say, well, look how bad. Well, it's awful bad right back then. Might be another 2,000 years. Might be 100. So here's what I'm saying. You're going to sit in your little bunker? You're going to sit in your little religious bunker? Wait for Jesus to come or you're going to go live by faith? You're going to sit in your little bunker, scared to death. Some of you scared to death. But you're scared to death of the DOJ. Scared to death of this administration. Scared to death of this. Just scared. What are you scared of? I thought you were saved. Yeah, but what if... What if, what, if they, what if they censor us? What if they take away our tax-exempt status, preacher? Well, then we'll figure out why you're giving. You giving because you're commanded to do it, or you giving to get your little tax break? I ain't worried about no tax-exempt stuff, right? What if, what if we make, them, make people mad and listen, they come in here with guns? Well... Not being critical, but there's a dude down in Houston who never made anybody mad in his whole life. Biggest church in America. He didn't stand against anything or anybody. Guess what? They went in there and tried to shoot his place up. So maybe it's just time to quit being afraid and just start living by faith. What if they kill us? Well, I guess if you know where you're going, right? I don't think it's that daunting. 
But see, what we have to do is examine what we really believe. We got to quit playing church and quit playing religion and determine what I really believe in here. Then that's when you live by faith. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to bow our heads, close our eyes. I want you to take just a moment and examine if your fruit matches what you say you believe. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to do this. I want you to slip your hand up and say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I ask you to pray for me. Would you do that? Is there one? If I died today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? According to our testimony, everybody in here, we're saved on our way to heaven. Well, now do this. Examine your life. Is your life reflective of what you say you believe? Is it? If it's not, you're just playing games. You're just playing the religious game of, I want everybody to think I'm a good person. I want a good life. I don't want any problems. I want the preacher not to preach against me. And I want my parents to think I'm okay. And I want my spouse to think I'm all right. But God knows your heart. God examines the inner man. He knows what's really going on, and he knows whether or not you and I are really living by faith. It's easy to say we live by faith when all the bills are being paid, we've got a paycheck coming in, don't have any health problems, and everything's rosy and peachy. But there'll come a time in your life where if you don't get it settled now, I'm going to trust God with everything. You'll face some tribulations in your life that will shake you to the core. You have to prepare now for what's coming down the road. The just shall live by faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message. Give us the strength to live in these last days. And honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.